You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolnes. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Today, we're going to take an in-depth look at what the Dallas Cowboys have planned for the offseason. Free agency is just getting started, and the draft is about a month and a half away. So we're going to talk to RJ Ochoa, the editor-in-chief of SB Nation's Cowboys site, blogging the boys and uh, we'll get his thoughts on what the Cowboys have planned for free agency and uh, we're going to get into a lot of Dak Prescott stuff coming up here he also hosts the podcast the Ocho so if you want to listen in podcast form what's going on over there at blogging the boys and uh, listening to what RJ has to say about Dallas uh, you should uh, check that podcast out RJ uh, what's your what's your Twitter account I, I usually write that down and I forgot to do that this time uh, you know, I make it nice and simple. I know lots of people have numbers and underscores and, and whatnot in this. I'm just RJ Ochoa, and all, lower, all lowercase, all, uh, you know, just uh, straight and to the point. <laughs> Man, that's what I did. I used to have something funky, and then I just changed it to my name. Way easier. Way easier that way. Yeah. yeah no asterisks. No shrugging shoulders emoji in the in the Twitter <laughs> handle. <laughs> just just the name, man. That's That's the way it works. Well, thanks for doing this, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, it's always great talking to all you guys. Uh, y'all do. We're such admirers of your work. Uh, and so we always enjoy it. And it's always great to talk to Eagles fans about the team that they spend a majority of their attention um, consuming information on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's been a while. You know, the offseason, you know, is what it is. But it's been a while since we got to flex our muscles against Eagles fans. <laughs> and, and you miss that. You know what I mean? You, you do miss it. Yeah, no, and and that uh, that that uh, penultimate game of the season uh, where, oh. where our two teams matched up. I mean, it's kind of funny. I, I want to get to that in in just a few minutes because it, it feels like. Well, let's start off with that because obviously we'll 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 start from there and then work our way towards the off season here. I was going to end with it, but it feels like a good time because going into that week sixteen game, the Dallas Cowboys had owned this rivalry over the last few years. I mean, it really had been one sided, and Eagles fans I know were just trying to figure out how do the Eagles get over the hump? How does Carson Wentz finally beat this team? How do they beat the Cowboys with Dak and Zeke and Amari? And it all came together for them. Even even as the Eagles were dealing with a ton of injuries, it all came together for them in Week 16 at Lincoln Financial Field. So I guess kind of as we get into the offseason here, I'm, I'm wondering where you feel the Cowboys are in general right now in relation to the Eagles. How much how much do you place how much uh, emphasis do you place on all of those wins that the Cowboys got over the Eagles leading into week 16 and how much uh, emphasis do you put on the fact that Dallas in that must win game wasn't able to get over the hump and, and obviously a tough place to play but against a beat up Eagles team well, you know, the rivalry, I thought, was very interesting uh, from the perspective of, and I think we had mentioned this last time you had me on, prior to that game, there had only been one game in Philadelphia of consequence between the two teams because the 2016 matchup and 2017 matchups were in Week 17, and the Cowboys and Eagles, respectively, had clinched everything that they possibly could. So it yeah. was, you know, 2016 uh, matchup, that was Tony Romo's last ever appearance in the NFL, 
2017's was, I believe, Nate Sudfeld got uh, got all the attention <laughs> as the Cowboys won six to nothing. Yeah, and then you know, so that for the first time ever, they played this game of consequence in Philadelphia in 2018. And the Cowboys won, and that was kind of Leighton Vanderesh's coming out party, and mm-hmm. you had the Zeke hurdle, but it's still it was kind of a weird game, you know. So I I still even even now feel like we haven't gotten just a thriller. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure Eagles fans would disagree based on the result of, of this particular game. But um, so going into that game, I felt that way already, uh, just from the rivalries perspective. Going into that game, the Cowboys had stopped a three-game losing streak by beating the Rams and kind of shocking the world. Uh, you know, yeah. and I, I know the week before, uh, Cowboys fans were paying attention to the Eagles and vice versa. So I think everybody was really kind of curious whether the team that throttled Los Angeles was going to show up to Philadelphia. Um, but but I, I will say this, and and I'm sure you know that this is a, a point of uh, joy for Eagles fans. That that was a different version of 44 to six. It really was. Mm. It, it wasn't uh, you know what that game was in the box score or on the scoreboard. But you know for so long, the the one sort of hallmark of Jason Garrett's career was that you know his team never quit on him that and and you know that was cheeky and it was cliche but it was true uh of all the the down moments in Jason Garrett's tenure every time that you know the going got tough so to speak they always bounced back and and I think that that was even evidenced by the first Cowboys Eagles game this past season uh you know the Cowboys had lost three in a row including on the road against the Jets and they just came out and destroyed the Eagles and you thought that that's what Jason Garrett's teams do and um so it, I think that it was it was a really great indication that, you know, this game that's going to define your season, potentially going to define your career if you're Jason Garrett, that you just came out flat. I mean, it was it was total and complete proof that it was very much time for a change. Uh, in terms of where the Cowboys stack up now, I think that prior to this past season, we had never seen Dak Prescott reach a height uh, similar to Carson Wentz's highest height, which was obviously the 2017 season. And I'm not saying that Dak uh, last season was even on that level. But, you know, I think a lot of Cowboys fans that, that thought, you know, Wentz was, was without a doubt better or had a higher ceiling or had a better future. I think that that gap has been closed just because we've seen Dak uh, utilized differently. And, and I think that that's allowed your mind to at least imagine different things. I think that I still believe the Cowboys have uh, a stronger roster. I, I think that, you know, the narrative all last offseason was how deep the Eagles roster was. And I know that they were destroyed by injuries and, and ravaged to, you know, the nth degree. Mm-hmm. But I think the Cowboys are, are better prepared in that capacity. But I don't I just I don't think they have the, the ability to utilize it properly. So I, I think ultimately, uh, I guess to answer the question, the Eagles have Doug Peterson. And from my mind, I can't imagine or can't understand why Eagles fans are so upset with the dude all the time. <laughs> well, no, we are with you. And and I, at least at the, on, on the BGN radio podcast. And I, I think it's a little overblown how upset Eagles fans are with, with Doug Peterson. I think most of the blame this year shifted to Mike Groh when the offense was really going through a lot of its issues. And, and Doug didn't really get a ton of that. Although there, there were concerns because of Frank Reich having success in Indianapolis. And you wondered when the team was going through struggles and losing to the Miami Dolphins, how, did Doug lose the team? And, and obviously he didn't. He got these guys to rally around. I think most Eagles fans sitting here at the end of the season are thrilled that that he's the head coach and are hoping that the assistant coaches that they've brought in this offseason are going to help Doug and, and bring in some new ideas. I do think that is something, the criticism of Doug Peterson is that there have been too many internal hires for promotions and not enough not enough ideas have come in from the outside to help freshen things up a little bit. And so any criticism of Doug Peterson right now, I think is more kind of 
it's moved towards that as opposed to I'm not so sure he's the best coach for this team. I think most Eagles fans are are thrilled with that, and I I think they're thrilled with um. You know, Eagles fans are, are not as happy that uh, Jason Garrett is no longer the head coach uh, of <laughs> Dallas. And, you know, I, I guess I want to get your thoughts on Mike McCarthy, too, because he had a lot of success in Green Bay for a time. But obviously his tenure there didn't end well as he was butting heads with Aaron Rodgers. And it felt like the Packers really underachieved towards the end of his tenure. But a fresh start can can mean great things for a, a good head coach. Do you think Mike McCarthy is a good head coach? How excited are you to have him as your replacement? Well, um, I certainly agree. And, you know, this is – the Cowboys couldn't have, have dreamt up a better uh, sort of postseason for the league to propel their narrative into the season in that, uh, you know, your idea of, you know, second starts, fresh starts can, can serve a coach well. Look at Andy Reid. I mean, that's that's the guy, right? Like, that's what, you know, the ceiling for Mike McCarthy is, um, uh, is being Andy Reid in Kansas City. And I, I do think that he's a good coach. And, and I, I mean, I think anybody that's won a Super Bowl is a good coach. I mean, you know, I, I think that with that comes a certain uh, automatic level of acceptance. But um, it is troubling. And, and I think, you know, there there is this battling going on, I think, internally for a lot of Cowboys fans. How, how much, you know, influence was Mike McCarthy? You know, Aaron Rodgers has come out very strongly and said, you know, how he just ignored Mike McCarthy near the end, et cetera. And so you wonder, I mean, how much of it was, was Mike? How much of it was just Aaron's greatness? And uh, the irony that, that the Cowboys would be having to sort of ask that question after Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy burned them uh, in, in the most significant moments that they've reached uh, in the last quarter century is just adds to the, the fun of it all, I suppose. But I, I certainly, you know, I, I thought it was interesting how uh, in Mike McCarthy's opening press comments, everybody knows about the McCarthy project, you know, the trademark and everything uh, and, and what he did. And, and I admire that. I really do. I know that Steve Spagnuolo did something similar uh, during his year away from the game. And, and again, there's another example that the Cowboys can kind of point to. And so I certainly respect and admire that he would uh, utilize his resources and, and try to get better. And I think r- that right there is enough to at least, you know, come into this idea with, with an open mind. What I did not, and I don't mean to blow this tiny little moment up, but what, what I did not think got a lot of play, and I'm sure you saw, was in Mike McCarthy's opening press conference, you know, he was asked or, about how he had mentioned that he watched every game. He watched all 256 games and, and poured over the film, and then he joked. He said, well, yeah, I mean, I didn't really do that. I just said that to get the job. And everybody laughed. But, I mean, that's, that was kind of a, a, a big reason why he got the job, at least in my mind. And I guess that is my my most sour taste, I guess. You know, the Cowboys hired Jason Garrett to be the full-time head coach now nine years ago, prior to the 2011 season. And that was a really obvious thing. Everybody knew that's what was going to happen, especially after he'd been the interim and gone 5-3 and three in that period. And so it had been... 13 years since the Cowboys held a true coaching search since where they hired Wade Phillips. And so at the very least, I was excited. I mean, yeah. you know, I was excited to, to just kind of see what was going to go on. I wanted to track flights, you know, from Norman <laughs> or Columbus. Uh, but so I, I think if I'm worried for any reason, it's just the, the fact, you know, and the Cowboys kind of tried to sell this. Well, this was our guy. And I just I refused to buy that from the perspective of, you know, Mike McCarthy interviewed with Cleveland and with Carolina during the week that the 
Cowboys sat on Jason Garrett. And so you can't tell me that that was your number one option when you literally opened the door to lose him, not just to one team, but to two. So um, it's it's an awkward sort of uh, acceptance, but I think that there is an acceptance that he could be a legitimate head coach. It's also a little weird how long they they kept Jason Garrett on the hook. You know, I mean, I, I oh my god, as as a Phillies fan, I do a Phillies podcast for SB Nation, and and they did the same thing with Gabe Kapler at the end of last season. It was a, a full week after the season where everybody assumed that the guy's going to lose his job, and yet it just kept hanging there. So it makes people ask the question: Well, are, is he is he going to get fired? Is is it? And then it happens, and you're like. Well, yeah, that we all thought. What 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 was the holdup there? It was, you know, honestly, um, and and I, I I every time I've you know tried to you know explain Jason Garrett, whether on my own podcast or when I'm fortunate enough to to come on other successful ones like the most successful uh, SB Nation Radio Network uh, here on BGN Radio, I I try to let people know Jason Garrett is is an awesome dude. I mean, he really is. I mean, I would love to play around a golf with him or or have mm-hmm. a couple beers or. You know, I don't play Fortnite, but play some Fortnite, anything. I mean, he is he is a really, really charming person. And I know that's a really hard thing to believe, but he truly is that way uh, away from, you know, the press conferences and the sidelines on Sundays. And so I I think everybody did, but I, I felt for him. I mean, that was really awkward and, and really unfortunate what they put him through. And, you know, to, to get to the point that Jay Glazer was reporting that he was essentially begging to keep his job. I mean, that was a lot of public yeah. shame that he endured and. You know, I, I admire his inner strength uh, to, to go through that. I mean, that's, you know, wh- wh- whether you, um, you know, so, so believe that he had enough success on the football field is one thing. But I, th- I thought to do that to somebody who, you know, that was the narrative that this was like a son to Jerry Jones. And I mean, I, I don't know how that uh, did him any favors other than, oh, you know, that week he was just a public punching bag. And it was really unfortunate to watch. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to rationalize those two thoughts together that they were so close and, and just kind of let him twist in the wind there. Definitely weird from our perspective, uh, many hundreds of, of miles away, and uh, sounds like it wasn't any weirder for, to, for you guys to watch happen right in front of you. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into uh, Dak Prescott's future with the team. We'll talk a little bit about free agency and uh, dip into the draft a bit as well. Uh, that's up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away that's where viator steps in you can book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back on Eye on the Enemy. So obviously, the guy that everybody's going to be keeping an eye on here, uh, as far as a, a pending Cowboys free agent, is Dak Prescott. Everybody wants to know what's going to go on with him. I was fascinated to read this week that they haven't talked to him since September. No conversations with his team since September. How surprised were you when you saw that? Well, if you and I were having this conversation on, you know, January 2nd, I wouldn't be, honestly, because, you know, the, the narrative entering... Um, you know, this past season was that if a contract wasn't done or ha- or didn't get done between Dak Prescott's team and the Dallas Cowboys, that, that Dak didn't want it to, you know, carry on into the season. So, OK, you know, sure. I, I, I can buy that. You sure. know, if you if you're that's what you're selling, I, I can buy that. Right. But again, I mean, you know, the Cowboys season ended on December 29th. You know, there's been more than enough time. And I also, you know, I, I always hesitate how literally to take this. Uh, because, you know, I, I certainly think we should take it at full face value. And so it makes me wonder, I mean, we live in an era where like you didn't, you guys haven't texted, you know, like that you have, there has been literally no, no, nobody has brought this up whatsoever. Yeah, the fax the, machine the, broke RJ. That's, that's, that was the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, uh, I, I guess, you know, since I covered the Cowboys, this has been narcissistic, but true. It's the biggest story in the NFL right now. And, and you guys haven't talked about true. it. You know, yeah. the, the, I, I just, it, it is troubling. Stephen Jones certainly has a lot more control and influence these days uh, than, than his father, um, you know, used to sort of obviously own the entire process. But Stephen has become a bigger part of the process over the last handful of years now. And Stephen has historically, I mean, there, there's a lot of evidence to support this. He takes these things up to the 11th hour under the belief that, oh, you know what? The, the price will go down and it doesn't. And, you know, we've seen this. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence's deal, you know, got franchise tagged and taken to the point where he was threatening not to have shoulder surgery. He was delaying that specifically as a tactic against the Cowboys, and it worked. And and he got his deal, what he wanted, when he wanted. Zeke Elliott, uh, not necessarily in the 11th hour, but uh, kind of fast-forwarded the clock on the Cowboys, and they caved. They blinked. And, I mean, the, the fact that an offseason ago, that both of the players that are sort of at the eye of this – and Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper, that they were eligible for contract extensions. I, I would even throw Byron Jones in there. Mm-hmm. And that the Cowboys prioritized, you know, and believe me, Zeke Elliott is a fantastic running back. And I mean, I'm certainly uh, not a proponent for paying running backs, but uh, Zeke Elliott is, is undoubtedly special. Uh, but still, the fact that you would prioritize paying a running back, paying an off-the-ball linebacker, paying your right tackle over those three positions is, is curious at the very least. No, I agree. And I, I read that too this week. I thought that was a, a really salient point because now you come into this uh, offseason and you got to do something with your quarterback and you got to do something with your wide receiver and cornerback. I mean, we as Eagles fans, we've seen the deficiency in those in those positions, how important they are. And you guys have had uh, three really good players at those really important spots over these over these last few years. So as, as we stay with Dak for just a minute, do you think I mean, would you pay him? Would you pay him what he's asking for? I mean, he wants to be the highest paid quarterback in football. Um, and and the, the Cowboys clearly don't want to go there. And they're they're I would imagine hoping for some kind of 
I don't know about a hometown discount, but my guess is Dak wants to be paid more than Carson and Jared Goff got. And it seems to me, looking from the outside in, the Cowboys don't like him enough to do that. I would disagree with that assessment um, from the perspective that I think that they will ultimately end up having to do that, uh, which will render that argument moot, I suppose, (laughs) is, is really my point. I mean, frankly, I think they're cheap. I mean, you know, and I I think that they're naive. And I think that in the context of this world, they're still a little immature compared to their competitors, compared to the Eagles, for example. I mean, you know, the Cowboys still do not seem to understand. And I'm not, you know, a salary cap expert or anything, but they, they do not understand seemingly the market. They do not understand seemingly uh, they're getting ahead of these things. A hundred percent of the time leads to cost savings. Yeah. For whatever reason, cannot understand. They they seem to believe whether through their own hubris or their own arrogance, their own naivete, that it's gonna work out. You know, it it, it reminds me of uh you know when I was in college and and I wouldn't study for a test and you know it's, it's gonna be fine. You know, it's gonna be, I'll just show up. I'll take the test. And it'll, it'll be totally fine. And then right. you show up and you fail the test <laughs> and and you 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 leave the test. You say what happened? You know where where did it go wrong? And the reality here is that this situation that they find in themselves, and I know you're talking about Dak, but the, the other the other situations add to the complexity of it. It was all predictable. I mean, you know, the, the timing of it all was, was very predictable. And, you know, now they're leaning on this. Well, the new CBA is up. That was, I mean, all these things have, <laughs> all this information is available. You know what I mean? And I think Cowboys fans trust that more forward-thinking front offices like Philadelphia are more prepared for these types of situations than, than their team is just because of what we see year in and year out. So if we're talking about, do you ultimately think they will resign him? I think so. I mean, I don't know that it, it even happens this offseason, but I... Gets a franchise tag stunned. at least. Right, yeah, yeah. I would be stunned if Dak Prescott is playing for somebody else at any point in the near future. All right, so let's talk about some non-Dak uh, quarterback options. Let's just let's just say we're all surprised and they decide, no, we're just we're just not going to do it. Where do, where do they go? Do, where, where would you want to see them go? I mean, Teddy Bridgewater would, is going to be a free agent. I know Tom Brady's name was talked about by Michael Irvin a few weeks ago, and that probably was more just Michael Irvin being Michael than anything real there. But, you know, we hear the Lions could be possibly trading Matthew Stafford someplace. That would scare me as an Eagles fan. I, I, I wouldn't want to see Matthew Stafford with a, a collection of, uh, of receivers, provided they go ahead and, and then pay Amari Cooper and, 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 and bring some other uh, talent in on, on the outside. If, if they don't keep Dak, do any of those options appeal to you? Um, well, this hypothetical is terrifying, to be, <laughs> to be honest. But um, I, I believe Cowboys fans are well aware of this. I'm not sure how, how you know much aware of it Eagles fans are. Matthew Stafford did go to Highland Park High School uh, in, in the Dallas area. And so he's very familiar. He's sort of a son of the DFW area. So there would be a lot of kind of homecoming elements to that. Um, and if you're unaware, if you've never watched Monday Night Football before, he uh, did go to little or he played Little League with uh, Clayton Kershaw, the Los Angeles no, Dodgers. Right. I don't, no, nobody really knows that. But uh, so that would be fun at the very least. That's the high school that for what it's worth, all of Jerry Jones's grandchildren have gone to and, and played high school football for. So uh, if you're trying to you know connect dots, that is certainly there. My own personal belief, I guess, in, in this hypothetical is that I mean, the Cowboys, I hate the term, but they are clearly in, in this sort of win now mode. They went and hired Mike McCarthy because they believe uh, they're close enough that they just need somebody who kind of knows how to get things over the edge to come in and push them there. So I don't know that I don't know that Teddy Bridgewater is a, is a win now guy. I mean, I, I guess I have to imagine if, if they were to do that, that maybe they would have some interest in Tom Brady. Maybe they would think that 
okay, let's just get Tom in here. We're we're ninety seven percent of the way there. He's gonna smash us past the the finish line, and, and we'll get this done. And, and a lot of it to me, uh, moving on from Dak would be similar to when they drafted Z. Uh, now four years ago, time flies. You know that was sold as a well. We're, we're our window is now. You know Tony Romo is now, and so we're getting Tony or Zeke Elliott to help Tony Romo, et cetera. And then they immediately spent their second round draft pick on a huge investment in the future in Jalen Smith. And so those were sort of contradicting philosophies to me. Yeah. And I think hiring Mike McCarthy and then letting your franchise quarterback go would would be very similar mm-hmm. in that regard. All right, so let's talk about some of the other free agents. You, you mentioned Amari Cooper, and obviously at wide receiver, he's a guy that as he, most a lot of Eagles fans have interest in. I, I thought something Troy Aikman said in the game uh, on TV uh, in Week 16 was interesting. He noted how Amari Cooper, how well he plays in Dallas, but didn't seem to show up for road games uh, last year. And if I remember correctly, he was basically saying he was kind of an on and off switch player that he he didn't really bring it every every single week. And as somebody who had interest in Amari Cooper and understands that he's going to he's going to want a big time deal here. I wonder what you what did you see from Amari Cooper this year and his effort level this season, his level of play this season? Is 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 he is he worth signing to a big time money deal? You know, Amari is one of the more fascinating players I've ever seen. Um from his personality standpoint, he is the most chill dude in the world, and he is very quiet. He is the most anti uh, whatever your stereotype of a wide receiver is. I mean, completely does not fit that bill. And so, I'll say this: I would not. I'm not projecting this by any means, but I would not be shocked if Amari would not hit the twenty million dollar mark. I, I would. I would. I could totally buy if Amari was like, you know, like I can live on. On this, you know, I, I don't, I don't need to be exorbitant here. You know, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, Amari's that guy. If anybody is that guy, it's Amari Cooper. But in terms of what he did last season, there's no doubt that uh, his home road splits were very eye opening, and that was a big deal because for a little while there, a significant portion of time, it was just he was awesome all the time. Yeah. Uh, certainly over the second half of the 2018 season, and he kind of picked up where he left off, and so you just thought, wow, this dude's just going to go for 200 every other week. Um, but uh, I mean, I think his personality is, is very unique on the field as well. I mean, he can kind of, I don't even know that it's disappear because I, when I think of a receiver disappearing, it sort of feels like him sort of sinking in mm-hmm. Amari just literally vanquishes like in a moment's notice. And it's like, he's here one moment. He's not the next. I mean, he wasn't on the field in right. the most pivotal moment against Philadelphia, uh, which is strange. You know, the Cowboys have have very much so sold a narrative that he was not battling any sort of injury all season long because I, that's the first place you go to. Right? Like, oh, he's hurt. We're, we're going to hear, you know, he had a thigh thing. You know, he, he was dealing with all season long. They have been very, very, very clear that he was not hurt by any means. And so you wonder what happened. And so, you know, I, I'm not saying he's moody or anything like that, but he is clearly somebody who just kind of rises and falls with however his own internal temperature goes. And so I I do not I do not like the the idea that there are some people that say, well, you traded a first round draft pick for him, so you have to resign him. I do not agree with that. I, I certainly think there's a lot of merit and consideration to bringing back Amari Cooper, but w- what you invested in him should have nothing to do with it. I mean, in an ideal world, you don't trade a first round draft pick for somebody that you get for a season and a half, but if if you view that as something you shouldn't do, there's no need to double down on it simply because of what you paid to get him. So I know the Cowboys have a lot of cap space. I think I read this week there's somewhere around seventy million dollars in, in in cap room. Is that is that about a, about the right number? That's correct. Okay, so, so you've got Dak, you've got Amari. 
Uh, you've got future Eagle Byron Jones. I just I wanted to just kind of throw that in. Love Byron Jones. Uh, Robert Quinn, uh, Malik Collins, Jason Witten, Randall Cobb, Blake Jarwin, Darian Thompson, Jeff Heath, Michael Bennett. All free agents. All pending. All free agents who who could leave the Cowboys. Obviously, the Cowboys will sign a couple of those guys. Some of those guys. Which of those guys do you think is most likely to be back? And which of those guys do you think is most likely to hit free agency and and leave someplace else? So they they're all going to hit free agency. But which of those guys do you think is going to leave some for someplace else? Well, I'll cheat a little and say that I think Dak's the most likely simply because of, you know, the specifics of it. But if I have to expand on it, I suppose I think Jeff Heath is back. He's somebody who's really close to the organization. I don't know that any other organization would sort of, I'll say, covet him the way the Cowboys seemingly do. I wouldn't be stunned if Randall Cobb is back. I mean, uh, the Cowboys have a need at, at slot and they only have so many draft picks and they have other needs to fulfill that it will be interesting to see if Randall Cobb does leave. Uh, because well, we brought in Mike McCarthy. So what what does that say? Yeah, about I mean, Randall hey, Mike McCarthy. They played for good. Yeah, yeah. In Green Bay, obviously, there's that connection. You're right. Exactly. So I think that Randall Cobb is back, and uh, there's a lot of talk. He and his wife just had another baby, and and his wife reportedly loves the area, and so it just it kind of makes sense, I think, for a guy at that part of his career. Uh, in terms of people that won't be back, I think the Cowboys look at Michael Bennett and Robert Quinn. And it, it, the Cowboys are like a like somebody or, or you know one of those people that just kind of reads an article on on Twitter one week and is like this is awesome we have to start doing this and so it was like like two years ago the Cowboys read an article on comp picks and now they're just obsessed with it you know they they can't see anything else other than comp picks and so yeah. I think the Cowboys look at Robert Quinn and Michael Bennett and see two comp picks and they say we're forward thinking we're we're gonna get third round picks for these guys and we're smart and we're brilliant and Dak Prescott was a comp pick so we need to do this. So I don't think there's any chance that they bring them back. I think, though, uh, to cheat again, the absolute most likely player to depart in free agency is Byron Jones, which is a point of huge contention for a lot of Cowboys fans. Uh, the fact that they are going to let an all-pro cornerback walk and then potentially draft a cornerback in the first round, it's its a maddening exercise. To <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Eagles fans are salivating. And for me, that's thats the one guy. If uh, We have less uh, cap space than you guys do this year, and uh, that's the one guy that I'm salivating for the Eagles to go after. And that, if we're going to dump big money into one guy, it's its Byron Jones. I don't care if he's only had two interceptions. He doesn't get thrown at. You know what I mean? its It's... And those interceptions, I you know, it's not like he's wearing boxing gloves on his hands when he's out there. You know, you know, you get you get interceptions if you if you keep covering guys the way he has. I, I love Byron Jones. I think that would be great. So you you didn't mention. I don't think we you'd said specifically if you think Amari will be back. So do you think they re-sign Dak and Amari Cooper? I do because I believe that they believe that they paid a first round draft pick for him, so they have to. Right. And again, I mm-hmm. think there's logic. There's a lot of logic to bringing Amari back, but yeah. I think that that's the propelling force behind them signing Amari Cooper, and I don't think it should be the propelling force. Um, another player, um, I know you didn't mention, but I think it's a fast. Or you did mention, sorry. Uh, I think it's a fascinating storyline, and he's certainly not impactful. But Jason Witten, uh, and I've written about this recently, and I find this fascinating. You know, Jason Witten. I've I've said before, if if you can't be the guy that gets to win the Super Bowl, I think you want to be the guy that the organization let down. I, I think that there's a lot of guys that maybe Eagles fans feel that way about. Maybe Brian Westbrook, yeah. maybe Brian Dawkins. Mm-hmm. You know, those are guys that, you know, were so awesome that the organization just couldn't get to the point that they could win a Super Bowl. And when Jason Witten retired, he was one of those dudes, right? I mean, he was this, oh, man, you and Tony Romo, you know, everybody was just so stupid and sucked. And, you know, if they had just done this, you could have had this, that, whatever. And, you know, that's, again, if you can't win a Super Bowl, that's a nice thing to be. 
Um, you look at what how kind revisionist history is to Tony Romo, for example. But Jason Witten this past season, I think, lost a lot of I don't want to use the word respect, but certainly a lot of admiration from Cowboys fans to the point that, you know, there was a report that he could follow Jason Garrett to the New York Giants. And, you know, on blogging the boys, you know, all, all of our mentions were good, good. Send him over there. Good. And it's just it's pretty insane. I mean, you know, Jason Witten, I think, to, to give Eagles fans a proper perspective here, is viewed by many Cowboys fans as an inhibitor to the Cowboys, as somebody mm-hmm. who prevents success, as a progress stopper, as somebody who is uh, limiting the potential and the growth of Blake Jarwin. And I just I find that to be a fascinating sort of subplot to everything else happening this offseason. Very interesting. So last thing, and, and I want to talk to you, uh, Maybe I'd like to touch base with you again right around draft time uh, in April uh, to as we get a little bit closer and, and some of these some of the Cowboys' needs are met through free agency because that's when we're really going to have a better idea where the Cowboys are going to go early in the draft on day one and uh, days one and two. But as we sit here now in late February... All the mocks that I'm seeing have the Cowboys going defense with the uh, the number 17 overall pick, and most of the mocks I've seen have them going with a safety. Um, I know the Xavier McKinney out of Alabama is a guy that's been getting mocked to the Cowboys a lot. I saw a couple with Grant Delpit of LSU. Um, our own Benjamin Solak had um, had the Cowboys taking Javon Kinlaw, who's an interior <clears throat> defensive lineman from South Carolina. Um, wh- what are you thinking as far as what the Cowboys might do with their with their first round pick? Uh, and do you think there's a chance they they trade up or trade down? I think um, Javon Kinlaw is a name that you know. You know how it is. There are names that Twitter falls in love with, and, and people kind of people tweet. I'll I'll pound. I'll stand on the table for this guy. And Javon yeah. Kinlaw has entered that territory for a lot of fans. But the safeties make sense. You know, it's been forever since the Cowboys drafted a safety in the first round. Some people would say that, ironically, Byron Jones was that guy. I don't know. You know, I hate pigeonholing yourself in any sort of situation, but I don't know how the Cowboys don't go defense, especially if they do let Byron Jones walk. Um, I mean, th- their defense is is bad, I mean, to be frank. And their defense is also, you know, I, I know that we're in the 2020 offseason, but if you forecast a year from now, uh, three members of their secondary, arguably three starters this season, are set to be free agents. Chidobe Uze, Jordan Lewis, and Xavier Woods were all drafted in 2017 uh, in Philadelphia. They are all going to be free agents. And so, you know, and, and the Cowboys will act surprised here from now and be like, well, you know, what are we supposed to do? They're all, you know, free agents. Like, dude, again, you this, all of this is predictable. <laughs> but um, yeah. but I, I just, in, in terms of, I think that trading down is a very real option. I, I And I think that that's what every Cowboys fan is kind of hoping for, um, sort of a, a rational, a more mature approach to the draft. Uh, because I think it's possible that both Xavier McKinney and Grant Elbert are on the board at 17. And so, you know what, trade down, let somebody else come up, pick up an extra third round pick and uh, and get your guy a little bit later. What what I do think is interesting is pretty often the Cowboys first round pick is is very telegraphed. A lot of people knew that they wanted Leighton Vanderish last time they had a first round draft pick. The year before, everybody knew they wanted Taco Charlton, that they did not like T.J. Watt. The year before, obviously, everybody knew that Zeke Elliott was uh, the apple of their eye. So I I do think, you know, for what it's worth, there is a lot of merit to the names that you hear when they're being connected to the Cowboys because those are usually the dudes that they are zeroing in on because everybody has a really good idea pretty far out who they want. Sounds like it's not a closed book what's going on uh, with the first-round pick inside uh, the, 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 the offices of, uh, of Jonesville, um, over the Jerry, Jerry, Jerry world. It's Jerry world. I don't Jonesville. I'm creating a new video game, I guess. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, folks, make sure you are checking out everything that, uh, blog 
vlogging the boys is doing. Make sure you're following RJ Ochoa on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. And RJ, I'd love to to catch up again uh, right around draft time once uh, you you guys have made some some free agent signings and we can get a better idea of where the Cowboys stand uh, heading into the draft uh, coming up later in April. But I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. Uh, last thing for me, uh, I'm one episode in and I've enjoyed All or Nothing so far. I know I'm a little bit behind. Yeah. Most Eagle fans, but it's um I I love all of these, and so while even though it's the Eagles, I'm terrified to get to the Week 16 game. But yeah, you're not going to enjoy that I, I'm one. Enjoying it so far. <laughs> you're not going to enjoy that <laughs> one, but you might enjoy why. I mean, the Eagles. It's the 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 main the, the takeaway you get from that thing is you don't you don't realize how bad the injuries were until you see it all compressed and you binge watch the thing, and you you just think to yourself, right. how how did they even dress? You know, how did they even get a full team on the field? So yeah, it's very entertaining watch. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, you're not going to enjoy Week 16. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, buddy. Oh, that's okay. I'll survive. <laughs> and that'll do it for this episode of Eye on the Enemy. Again, my thanks to RJ Ochoa for uh, coming on the podcast. And folks, make sure that you uh, leave a rating and a review for Bleeding Green Nation's podcast feed on Apple Podcasts. And uh, you can uh, subscribe and download these podcasts. So wherever it is that you get your good old podcasts, and you can hear the Kist and Solak show. BGN Radio with BLG and Jimmy Kemsky, the Babes on Broad, all the other great stuff we've got coming at you here this offseason. We are uh, making sure that you are fully informed and well covered during the Eagles offseason. And don't forget to check out BleedingGreenNation.com every single day for the latest Eagles news. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. BGN.